Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks so thank you and go Cougs and welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast I am your host Andy Mitz today we are previewing the second edition of the Sunflower Showdown uh, Kansas versus Kansas State coming up here in Lawrence And, of course, to help me do that, coming back to the podcast, we weren't able to get him for the last time because of just timing of how everything works, but had to make sure we got him at least once this year during basketball season. It is Scott McFarland of Bosco's Boys that's here on the 1012 Podcast Network and, of course, on Sports Drink. I absolutely love working with everybody at both of those networks. But, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, uh, it's a little cold, but I'm I'm a bit of a polar bear, so I always uh, prefer winter to summer and then uh you know we're both kansas city chiefs fans so uh after a mild heart attack last night yes seriously uh, i recovered uh you know busy day at the de- secret day job but it is what it is and uh you know just ready for another uh roller coaster ride of a uh, sports week uh and, and we won't even have the chiefs to stress us out on a sunday yeah exactly no so uh so the addition or the this year's edition of the basketball versions of the Sunflower Showdown is tied up at one to one right now because the Kansas women won last night on on Sunday night, um, which that was a, a hard fought game both back and forth. And then, of course, back to back. Now we have the men coming to Lawrence. So two of them in Allen House, just two days apart from each other. Um, but, you know. The, the other thing that, that happened over the weekend was the Big 12 SEC Challenge, the final edition of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. As I had uh, talked about over on the 1012 podcast and put out on Twitter immediately after it happened, the Big 12 ends this series having won five out of the 10 years, um, lost only three, and then tied the other two. They have a 55-44 and 44 record. I believe one of the games got canceled in the COVID year. Uh, I forget which game that was, but... 55 to 44 record. So by all accounts, the Big 12 has dominated this series, which I think most of us that are Big 12 fans know the Big 12 has been the better conference over the course of the last 10 years. So that's not that surprising, but, um, memories of, of the, of the Big 12 SEC challenge, like what, what jumps out to you now that this 10 year run is over and it's not going to happen anymore? I know I speak for K state fans that, uh, we, we got a little, I, I don't want to say bored, but, and KU kind of probably similar. We only got a handful of the same 
opponents. You know, KU, it was always Kentucky or, you know, uh, I guess Florida, maybe Tennessee, like the upper end. And that makes sense. I, I, I you know, I, I don't think that that's the wrong thing. But K-State, I, th- I think it was Texas A&M, which was part of a home-and-home home series that already started. That was the very first year, or one of the first years. It was already scheduled, and it just got rolled into the Big 12 SEC Challenge. We got Georgia a bunch. We got uh, Mississippi a bunch. Um, and Florida was a new one for us. Uh, so that that was like, you know, okay, fine, whatever. What I'll remember is, you know, outside of the COVID year, because we had a home game for the COVID year, always winning the four home games of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, I was a student and we had Marshall Henderson come in uh, from Ole Miss. And it was a nice, raucous crowd where, you know, you're giving him the business and he didn't really have a very good night. Um, I remember going to Georgia. I wasn't in attendance, but Dean uh, Dean Wade, uh, Barry Brown, and Cam Stokes, uh, their freshman year, their true freshman year, Dean Wade hit a game winner, his first game winner at the buzzer at that game. Um, so those are some of the memories I'll take away. I know I liked it when they moved it to, uh, you know, a standalone Saturday in January. ESPN gave it big billing. It kind of became an event. Uh, and I hope that with games moving to Fox in the new contract, we see that with the Big East, Big 12 battle or whatever they call it. Uh, but overall, I, I liked it. I liked the series. It was way more fun than the Pac-12 hardwood showdown or whatever they called it, where we just got, you know, Washington State and Oregon a bunch of times. Uh, so I enjoyed it. I wish they would have given us Missouri a couple times. I wish they would have given us South Carolina when Frank was there. Uh, but ultimately, I, I consider it a net positive on my experience as a Big 12 basketball fan the last 10 years. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of funny because I, I'm surprised that they never got Kansas and Missouri to play each other in the in that challenge. Um, but, of course, every year that Kansas was not playing Kentucky as part of the Champions Classic, they, they, tar- they tried to match Kansas up with Kentucky, except for I think there was a two-year stretch where they had Florida um, back to back, home and home, and that was I think in years three and four of the challenge. But yeah, I, I agree. I think this was a, a fun event to have. I personally like the fact that they moved it to where it was because it gave most of the Big Twelve teams an opportunity to get a you know resume building win, really you know close to when people are actually going to be paying attention. Because let's be completely honest, most people do not pay attention to college basketball before the football season is over. So. You have it, you know, during the first non-conference. Most people aren't going to be paying attention to it. It's not going to draw the ratings. If you have it, you know, kind of right after or like during bowl season, then, yeah, more people will probably pay attention to it. But that's going to be when most students are on break. That's going to be like in all of the holiday preparations. It's not going to be quite as big of an event. Um, This is the perfect spot. I know that the coaches don't like it. Um, There's a lot of coaches that don't like getting out of, you know, conference play to have to go play. But but then again, you know, Bill Self even acknowledged like, in some ways, it was kind of nice to have a little bit of a break from, you know, Big 12 play because of how brutal Big 12 play has been this year, especially. So um, there was pros and cons. It kind of depends on where you are. But, yeah, to your point, they, they got a little unimaginative with the, with the you know, pairings at the end of the, the challenge. It was a lot of the same. Um, I know that Iowa State fans were griping because they only had four home games, you know, in the entire challenge, which was a little strange for them and very unfortunate. But... You know, I'm glad that it's that it happened. I'm hoping that you. I I agree with you. I, I hope that with the Big Ten that they do something similar. Um, at least that's what the the rumor is that they're going to do something like that. 
but but I hope the format for it is kind of similar. Or they take the you know the Big Twelve Big East Challenge and do something with that, where you know turn that into a, a one day event. Um, the Big East, I think, is a is a conference that is a little bit underrated just because they don't have football. Um, but they are still a very good conference. They have some very very good teams. So I, I just don't know that top to bottom they'll be as good as uh, you know something like the Big Ten to make it a little bit more of a, a fair match in, in terms of, you know, who's actually going to be able to put it all together. Yeah. And, and I, I like the idea of having like, Hey, no matter how you schedule, because again, it, scheduling can be tricky. I know some folks don't want to dive deep into it, uh, but like for big 12 teams, especially like, Hey, once you kind of get on the rise, I know during the Frank Martin era, there was a, it was tough to get a home and home truly on campus with some of those teams. That's why, Back in the day when we played Florida, it was in, I think the Florida game was in uh, Wichita, and then we played them in Orlando. And then, you know, we, we played other teams in, Can- like, Gonzaga. We played them in Kansas City and then in Seattle. I think having these challenge games kind of allows it for, I, I think we're probably going to start seeing it with Iowa State. We're going to see it with TCU. Allow them to get a high major, basically home and home. It might not be the same team, but you're getting that extra marquee non-conference game on campus instead of having to play in, you know, uh, a, a quote unquote neutral stadium. I mean, Kansas city isn't neutral for, you know, K state at all. Uh, but it, it's more fun to play these games on campus. Right. Right. It's, it's basically a home game unless they're playing the Jayhawks and then it's, you know, probably skewed a little bit towards Kansas just because there's or, more or Iowa state. I, oh, oh yeah. Or, or, well, right. You know, honestly, Iowa state is probably more the home team against the Jayhawks, even in, in the sprint center, just because of the way that they show out for the big 12 tournament. So there, there was one of those years where it was, uh, you know, the semifinal, it was like the Friday game, um, where it was K state versus Iowa state and then KU versus like, I don't even know what, but the atmosphere inside the sprint center, uh, was just electric having those three teams in the semifinals. I wish it was Iowa State and KU playing each other because Iowa State beat us. I think that might have been uh, on their way to winning one of those Big 12 uh, tournament championships. Probably. But uh, as much as I love Brett Yormark, and I, I, I promise you I wasn't going to go off topic too much because I know we're both kind of on a time crunch, but uh, I, I hope Brett Yormark resists his urge to take that tournament away from Kansas City and Maybe we'll have to get a pod uh, together, you and me, uh, standing up for Kansas City later in March and, and see if anyone wants to challenge us to in the same corner uh, when it talks about taking the Kansas or the Big 12 tournament on the road. Yeah, I don't think that there's going to be any kind of big push to move it. Um, I think the two teams that probably would have wanted to move it the most are Oklahoma and Texas, and they're going to be gone. Um, you know, you might have some people wanting to kind of rotate it or things like that, but it's been such a good environment and it gets supported so well here in Kansas city that I have a hard time imagining that they're going to go ahead and rotate unless they just, you know, if we added more teams out West, you know, like if we expand it out into the West coast, then you could probably see it rotate a little bit to kind of uh, make it a little bit better. You know, if we're a true coast to coast conference, but I think in general, it makes sense where it's at in kind of a central location. Obviously it, it helps that it, it helps both of our teams a little bit to have them, you know, so close to home and big population centers for, for our fan bases. But it's it's been a great experience. I've been several times. I went as a fan a few times. I went um, last year. I went, you know, to the women's tournament um, as a member of the media. And every single time that I've been there, just the the entire environment down there is super electric. So. 
Here at the Rock Chalk Podcast, we are happy to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They've got t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. They're always adding new stuff, refreshing lines, and doing a bunch of different fantastic things over there at homefieldapparel.com. They have more than 140 different schools with the most insane, uh, incredible vintage college logos that you will find anywhere um, i have way too much kansas stuff they've got they've got kansas i've got every school in the big 12 both those that are now in the big 12 and the ones that are coming and they have every other power five school as well the logos are absolutely ridiculous i have way too many of them for way too many schools that i have absolutely no affiliation with um, i absolutely love my university of delaware U, uh, ud shirt uh, love that one. I've got the Zot baseball shirt um, and plenty of Kansas shirts, of course. You can go over and get your collection started by going to homefieldapparel.com using promo code CHALK12 to get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 have free shipping. Again, we are happy to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Go over to Homefield Apparel, promo code CHALK12 will get you 15% off that entire first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, let, let, let's go ahead and talk about this game that's coming up. Because both Kansas and Kansas State got wins in that Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, you know, as you said, Kansas State getting a big win over Florida um, in the, I guess, the reunion of Keontae Johnson with his former team. Um, which I, I, th- I thought that was a great kind of the, you know, to, to see that story and see it kind of unfold. And then, of course, Kansas State goes and gets the win, kind of the best case scenario for, for anybody who is Big 12 affiliated at all. But then Kansas going on the road against Kentucky, breaking their three-game losing streak against a Calipari team that was on a roll. Um, Kansas, you know, dev- it wasn't a, a pretty game from start to finish, but they definitely were able to kind of break the, the I guess, bad, you know, momentum that they had. So coming into this game, like what's the thing that jumps out to you the most about this game that's going to be coming up on Tuesday? Yeah. So I said it after we played the first time, I think it's the first time uh, quite possibly in my life that I think that if you were going to do just like a combine, just testing athletic ability between the Kansas basketball team and the K-State uh, basketball team. I think it's the first time in my life where I, I, I might bet on K-State to win this, you know, be an athlete combine, you know, running, jumping, uh, you know, strength, all that type of stuff. And uh, it's also probably the first time that if if you came to me and say, hey, hey Scott, both teams are going to have to depend on players six, seven, eight. Uh, you know, on the roster, you know, going to the bench where I think K-State has an advantage. Um, So those two things kind of make this a weird dynamic that I don't think K-State fans, at least my age, you know, I'm 31, um, something that they may have never experienced. Now, I KU people might argue that. I'm not saying it's like a blowout. K-State is heads and shoulders more athletic. You know, six, seven, and eight on the bench are heads and shoulders uh, you know, better than KU's, but uh, I, I think it's the first time where you, a K-State fan could confidently say those are advantages for K-State. Now, uh, it's going into Allen Fieldhouse. Um, the line opened up at six. It's up to six and a half already. Um, you know, K-State's only won there, you know, once in the last however many tries. I was there. It was amazing. Um, but, you know, I was a little kid. You know, Not little. I was 14, but uh, it, it was a 
super fun experience. Um, but but I think it's going to be a good battle. Uh, again, I, I think we've seen now this is Jerome Tang, you know, the fourth coach since Jim Waldridge to go in there to try to get a win. And I do think that, and I think Bob Huggins had this, uh, but, but I don't think Frank had it. And uh, as much as I stood up for Bruce Weber, he didn't have it. I, I think Jerome Tang is a personality and someone who's confident enough in himself that I don't think he's going to wilt uh, under the bright lights of Allen Fieldhouse. So I think it's kind of setting up for, at least at a, as a K-State perspective, hopefully something that isn't going to follow the typical script of the Sunflower Showdown in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for for anybody that wants the rivalry to be a, a good and, and healthy rivalry in terms of competitive and, and something that everybody enjoys watching, like Jerome Tang feels to me like the best option that you could have had um, the, you know, he's the first Kansas state coach that I remember in a long time that didn't feed into the, um, you know, the, I guess, obsession that a lot of Kansas state fans have with putting down the Jayhawks as opposed to building up their own team. Um, you know, Tang immediately after the win against KU, you know, in, in, uh, Manhattan had that conversation, you know, talked about, Hey, let's not you know, worry about tearing them down. Let's celebrate what we have. And I think it's that it's that attitude. The one thing that Bruce Weber and made it really easy to make fun of Bruce Weber on, on the Kansas side is because it seemed like every single time he was talking about opponents in the Big 12, he was talking about, you know, was was complaining about, you know, calls that they got or complaining about all this other stuff. And it was always about, you know, the, the bad things about other teams as opposed to what he thought his team was doing well. And so I just think that entire attitude change is completely different. And, and you saw that with a lot of the players that he brought in. He constructed a very talented roster of guys that are very confident in themselves. And kind of to your point, like, I think I think if, if, if you were to match up players on the court, Kansas probably has the best player on the court in Jalen Wilson, but it's not by as much as most Kansas fans probably want to think it is. But then I would be actually willing to argue that I think Kansas State has probably two, three, and then a five. Um, you know, so like Kansas has some good players, but they don't have multiple top end talents, guys that are going to go in the first round of the NBA draft like they typically do. Um, and so, yeah, this is like talent wise is a lot closer. I think chemistry wise, Kansas State is at the best that it's been in a very long time. And and while I do think that Kansas ends up winning this game because it's at home and they have the revenge and, you know, they actually played fairly well against Kentucky. The, the the bench is playing better. I thought Ernest Uday's minutes against Kentucky were were super important, especially for this game coming up because KJ Adams been getting is he foul trouble because like I know he he got hurt in that game, right? Um, no, it was uh, Zuby Edgefor that got hurt. Oh, Zuby. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's in, in fact, Zuby Edgefor came in for like two minutes or something, and then ended up going out with an injury. Uday came in and played really well against Oscar Shibwe, so um, was very. Pleasantly surprised. That was kind of the thing that Kansas fans were waiting on to to talk about that. And obviously, he has to build on it. He has to have more than one just good game. But um, it, it at least gives that glimmer of hope that Kansas is going to develop a big man that can play a contrasting style, contrasting style to what KJ Adams does, and give Kansas some options on the inside, which will be very interesting, I think, to see. Um, but man, this is a this is a very um, a very tough game. You know, it, it's funny because coming into the year before we really knew what Kansas State had, and, and I've said it a couple times, the thought process was, hey, you've got, you know, this game, or you had the early stretch that was a quote-unquote, you know, e, um, break from the, you know, super difficult Big 12 stretch that was there of, you know, 
going to Manhattan to face Kansas State and playing Iowa State at home. And, of course, it turns out those are two of the best teams in the conference this year. Um, and then you thought you had the return, where it's like, you know, you could at least get a little bit of a breather and try to kind of um, regroup somewhat. And it's not been the case. And, and you know, I think that's the thing that strikes me the most about this conference this year is that there literally is no game off. Like, Texas Tech is you know, going, going to Lubbock. It's probably the closest you're going to get to having a game off. And even then, well, I think they're a one point favorite versus Iowa state. Granted, who knows what the result is? Cause we're recording this before. It right. Right. Off. Exactly. There's well, a well, but, favorite in that. Game. I, well, I, I think part of that though, is because Kayla grill has been injured, you know, was, was out this last game was injured. Um, I think part of that might be overreaction to the, you know, the, the game against Missouri when they were down basically two two players. So it will be very interesting. I think to see how a lot of these teams kind of finish out the season, but I think that's where we're at, right? Like, this season, the remainder of this conference season is going to be heavily influenced by um, injuries, going to be heavily influenced by who builds momentum. And there are so many teams in the conference that can all have a really good night and beat anybody else in the conference. Um, so so looking at this game, though, looking at what Kansas State has, obviously the two big names are Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Um, Desi Sills lit up the Jayhawks in Manhattan. But, uh, you know, is, is, is that something where – or when you're looking to see how this team is probably going to attack the Jayhawks in Allen Fieldhouse, do you think that the game plan is going to be any different or is it going to be the same sort of thing that they tried to do in Manhattan? So I, I think, and, and Jerome Tang talked about this in his post game after Florida. This is the first time he's a head coach playing someone for the second time. Uh, he said that the scout, you know, it's not about personnel because, Hey, they already did their deep dives on KU's personnel. They're going to really spend it trying to diagnose, okay, where did KU beat us on the chessboard? Where did we uh, beat them on the chessboard? And then trying to counter that before you see how KU is going to approach things. I'll be honest, when it comes to basketball, I, I'm not a big X's and O's guy. You know, I, I know K-State got eight up like crazy on the short pick and roll game. KJ Adams, uh, you know, Wilson going off, he couldn't miss anything, uh, but KU did a great job, uh, you know, running, running stuff for him to get to the rim. I'll be honest. I don't know how you stop Wilson. I, I don't know if that can be the game plan. Um, but luckily K-State has David Gasson back. He played 19 minutes versus Florida started that game. And I think that's going to give K-State um, I, I'm not going to call it an edge, but it is going to help them because uh, they want to switch ball screens one through five. And he's way better at that than uh, Bebe Igiola. He's a lot better at that, uh, even than Ish, because if Ish gets isolated down low, uh, he can be taken advantage. So I, I, I'm thinking you, you get him in there. Uh, you try to play defense on everyone uh, the best you can, switching those ball screens. And then the hope is, when you're confident one through five depend or defending the ball, you don't have to over rotate as much. And we saw that in that game where KU feasted on the offensive rebounds feasted on. Well, it actually was a close on offensive rebounding, but they feasted on second chance points, just killed K state on second chance points. Um, so the hope is uh, that that changes on offense. Um, look, Marquise Noel didn't do anything scoring wise, but he still got a lot of assists. I I, I don't think you're going to see uh, a career game from Desi Sills. He's been cold um, ever since that game, but K-State has had, I think five or six different guys 
uh, besides Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel go for double digits, at least in one game. So it probably won't be Desi Sills, but maybe it's Cam Carter who gets hot. Maybe it is David Gasson who's able to get you 12 points. Uh, maybe Ish goes crazy again. Hashtag Big 12-ish. Um, it, it could be really any of those guys. Naquan Tomlin didn't have a great game, uh, but he's capable of it. I mean, that that's a guy who, uh, if he can ever figure out his footwork, I, I think he's on defense uh, and maybe gets rid of a couple of those stupid three-point shots uh, where he's not in rhythm. I think he might be a second-round draft pick next year, maybe even a late first-round draft pick. I don't know. He has that athletic ability. Um, so really it's going to come down to Marquise Noel scoring better, Keontae getting his, and then finding out who's going to be that number three score. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, I, you know, Desi Sills, it was weird because my co-host and I, um, you know, who, who, who normally joins me to kind of recap games. Um, we actually called like Desi Sills is the guy that was probably just going to go off and go crazy. Now we thought he was going to have a ton of three pointers because there's always some random, guy that just you know hits and he's capable and i i hope i hope me saying that he's been cold the last three games doesn't kind of take away from him because he's had good games uh, throughout the season he is more than capable of doing it i just wouldn't make my bet uh him in a slump and then to uh you know take out ku a second time yeah instead i'm i'm guessing it's probably going to be masood in this game that's going to just go off and have a huge game um which hopefully kansas can counter and have some guys go off on their own um but yeah it'll be very interesting i think kind of to your point um you know johnson obviously had his points got 24 points in the last game um between these two teams noel i I have a hard time imagining he's going to be you know, as ineffective as he was in terms of scoring in this last game. Um, now, that being said, they did put, you know, Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller on him pretty much all game to shut him down. Um, so I, I imagine they're probably going to do something similar. I will be very interested, though, to see how well Kansas is able to get, get the ball moving. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is like in that game, you know, Kevin McCuller didn't score in that game, um, which was hugely strange for him. I believe he actually might have... Uh, tweaked his his uh, foot or something in that game originally because he's been he's been doing that in in a few games where he you know tweaks something early in the game and then is able to play pretty good defense but doesn't do much offensively but um I don't think we're going to see another Jalen Wilson 38 point performance in this game but I think the goal is to get you know Kevin McCuller scoring about 10 points get Dewan Harris you know getting seven or eight points um get a guy like um, Ernest Uday, some extra points, get KJ Adams, you know, to, to replicate his 17 point performance. Um, like Kansas has a lot of different options. The problem has been is that they are, they have been very inconsistent over the course of the year. Grady Dick has gone into a slump here, um, recently with shooting threes, but he's found other ways to be successful and other ways to get involved. Um, he's, he's picked up his rebounding game quite a bit as well. Um, but I will be very interested, I think, to see this point guard matchup because I thought Dewan Harris got the best. Um, you know, the, the best of that matchup last time, uh, you know, he had 11 assists. He only had three points as well. He didn't score a whole bunch, but he played phenomenal defense. He had 11 assists. He had two steals. Like he did a lot of stuff all over the court. Um, and, and only turned the, or I I guess he ended up turning the ball over four times, but still with 11 assists, you'll, you'll, you'll take those, you know, four turnovers for that. Um, Noel, I thought played a very similar in terms of production wise game, but, um, I, I thought Harris's defense was a little bit better, but I think that that's going to be one of those low key battles. This might be another game where you don't see them scoring a whole bunch, but what they do is going to have a huge impact on who actually ends up winning that game. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I think uh, if that happens, if Marquise Noel uh, starts slow, I, I think the key will be to uh, kind of just remind him, hey, you're the Big 12 leader in assists. Hey, you were all conference or all, all defensive uh, team last year. There are other ways for you to make a massive impact on this game. I think that's something that Jerome Tang has done a great job because uh, it hasn't happened often where Marquise Noel isn't getting uh, points. But when, when it does happen, he's been able to get through to him. And, and I think, uh, you know, I'm not rooting for that. But if it does happen, I think hopefully Jerome Tang will be able to get through to him again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we have seen this a lot on the Kansas side from Harris is that he always finds a way to have an effective game or to to impact the game. Um, it's just not always scoring, but I, I think that Noel is a player that reads to me the same way where, you know, he, he's been scoring, I think, a lot more. He, he's much more of a scoring point guard um, than, than a guy like Dewan Harris, but even when he's not scoring, he's able to have a huge effect on the game. So I will be very, um, I'll be keying in on that, but then, of course, obviously, you know, there's several other matchups, but overall, let's, let's, let's go ahead and wrap up um, on on this overall, how do you see this game going? You did mention that the line right now is favoring Kansas by six, six and a half. Um, how do you think this game is going to go? And then to follow up on that, how do you think that the results of this game are going to affect the rest of the conference race the rest of the year? So I, I've said it on my show. Um, we had a show that dropped on Monday and Tuesday. I said it on both of them, I would not predict K State to win this game. I would not bet on K State to win this game. Um, prediction, I, I think KU wins, uh, by four or five. I don't, I, I don't think they will cover the six, uh, definitely not the six and a half. I think it's going to look very similar, uh, to the last game, uh, probably handling it in uh regulation, like a 69, 74 type game, um, somewhere in that range, uh, favoring KU. Um, and how, how is this going to affect the race? Um, look, I, I, I think if KU wins this game, uh, which I think they will, I think they're starting to get their swagger back a little bit. Uh, they went into Lexington, Kentucky. They took care of what probably is one of the worst Kentucky teams, you know, in the last five years, but it's still Kentucky. It's still a team that's littered with five stars. It's still John Calipari and, uh, Things might have been dicey a little bit, but I listened to or watched most of the game, and I and I thought, all right, you know, once KU had the lead in the second half, I no part of me thought that they were going to end up losing that game. So I think they have their swagger back. I think beating K-State, if they do, um, that's going to make them the favorite. I mean, they are the favorite on uh, Bet MGM. Uh, they are the betting favorite. Um, depending on how things go in the Iowa State game at Texas Tech, I think it's Baylor, UT, uh, tonight on Big Monday as well. Um, going into the Saturday games, there very well could be a six-way tie for first. Um, K-State, luckily, uh, of their fir- first nine games, because this is the midway point. After this game, we were, we would have completed nine games. K-State has played all five of their road games versus the other big six. Um, if K-State can bounce back and then beat Texas in Bramlage Coliseum on Saturday, if they lose, I'm working under that assumption, um, I think K-State will be in that race uh, to the end. Um, if K-State were to win this game, and again, I'm not predicting it, and I'm definitely not going to be as bombastic as I am during football season when I come on with you, but if K-State wins that game, and then if they beat Texas at home, uh, and then they turn around and have TCU at home, 
that following Tuesday. Um, I'm not going to say they're going to win out, but all of a sudden, uh, if you win those two games and then you have TCU at home, you don't know what's going on with Lampkin. You don't know if Miles is going to be back. Uh, Bramlage will be rocking. All of a sudden, if you if K State were to somehow go three and zero in that stretch, or even two and one in that stretch, uh, I have a hard time thinking K State won't be in it right up until those final two games in March. Um, I think UT is probably on paper the most talented team uh, in the conference. Uh, but what's going on with coaching? Uh, I think that all it will take is like an zero and two run for them. They might just kind of collapse in on themselves. What's going on TCU with injuries? Don't really know. What about Iowa State? What, what's going on injuries there? And then I, I think they might have a little bit of a ghost in the back of their head after what happened last year. A couple games go against them. What happens? Uh, you know, Baylor, best backcourt in the Big 12. They start getting hot. I mean, it, it, it truly is. It, it could be any of those six teams. And yeah. if you tell me any of those six teams win, I mean, it, this is a long way to say it. I don't think anything that happens on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday are really going to swing things one way or another. I think it's going to be up until the midway point in February before we can all truly sit back and say, hey, here's the sprint run of the final four games. Who's going to do it? Because uh, I think anyone making any sort of confident prediction at this point uh, is just setting themselves up to have pie in their face. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only thing that could happen in these games that would change the complexion of it would be obviously a you know a serious injury to a player, which I would never bet on that happening. I would never actually predict that happening because they just happen out of nowhere. Um, but or one of the teams playing on the road getting a dominant victory um, because they're all playing. You know, like if if Texas goes in on Monday night and just destroys Baylor. It makes me take a step back on Baylor and makes me think a lot better about Texas. Um, but, you know, I, I I listened to the Ion College Basketball podcast that Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander do, and they've been talking for a while with this Big 12 uh, race that, you know, they have a hard time imagining that somebody is going to win this outright. Like, it's much more likely you're going to have a four-team, you know, a, a three- or four-team tie at the top of the conference then you're going to have somebody win it outright. Right now, Ken Palm predicts that Texas will win it outright at 12 and six. I think that's a high set. Like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see four teams share it at 11 and seven because of just how ridiculously difficult this conference is. Um, we talked on the, on the 10, 12 podcast about, you know, which teams are, or where is the most likely three game losing streak for all the teams left that haven't had one, you know, Kansas state, Iowa state, um, Texas and TCU. Those are the only teams that haven't had a three game in conference losing streak so far this season. And Kansas State, I think, is the one that has the the easiest slate or the the most difficult place to find a three game losing streak. There. Now, granted, if they you know lose this game and lose against Texas, TCU is probably going to be getting guys back around that time. The last update I saw on Mike Miles's injury was that you know it's not it's not anything that's going to be it's like it's not season injury or season ending. It's going to take him a little while to get back, but. You know, that could be anywhere from one week to, you know, six weeks or something like that. So um, there's a good chance that that game could be a difficult one for Kansas State. But like you said, unless, you know, Kansas just like unless something happens and Kansas wins by like 30 tonight, which obviously is not going to happen, then, you know, I fully expect this to be a very tough race the rest of the way. Kansas is not is not done going through slumps. I know that Kansas State is going to, you know, hit a tough stretch here because every team has. Um, the real question is just going to be, you know, can you can you limit the damage? Can you make sure that you're not going to have multiple games 
where you just, you know, let one game snowball into the next. So that's going to be, the I think, the biggest thing. With so many teams being successful in the Big 12 SEC Conference, I think it recharges a lot of different batteries. Um, you know, and and in that in that challenge really was a, a shot in the arm for a lot of Big 12 teams. So, uh, But that also means that teams like Texas Tech and Oklahoma and, you know, Oklahoma State and even West Virginia, all four of the bottom teams got big confidence-boosting wins, you know, in that challenge. So they're all going to be pretty feisty when it comes to the rest of this conference slate. I would not be shocked to see if every single team that's in that top six takes at least one upset loss to that bottom four. And that might end up deciding who actually wins a conference. So I'll be very excited. Um, Scott, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us. Um, any final thoughts before we get out here for the day? Nope. Uh, I, I think it, hopefully it will be a fun game. Uh, you said, hey, KU's not going to win by 30. Look, you know, I, I, I've I thought that uh, KU's not going to win by, you know, a, a big number inside that building, and then it turns out to happen. I hope it's a good game. Uh, I hope everyone uh, enjoys themselves. Uh, follow me at Scott Wildcat, at Bosco's Boys. I'm always willing to, you know, go back and forth on the Bluebird. Uh, and, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's it's always fun to chat with you, Andy. Oh, yeah, so much fun. But, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I didn't think that Kansas was going to uh... – was going to win as big as they did. And of course, with how many runs the, the, the women made, you know, I was not, I honestly, I was surprised to see that Kansas had a, you know, double digit win against the Wildcats yesterday uh, being Sunday. So I'll be very, very interested to see what the final margin is here. But I, I think that's as much, you know, saying that Kansas is not going to win this game by 30 is as much about, you know, the uh, the strength of the conference, how good Kansas state is, that, you know, as it is about Kansas themselves, not necessarily being able to just completely demolish anybody at all this year. So it's going to be a fun race. Hopefully we can talk again come, you know, Big 12 tournament time as both of our teams are, you know, fighting for a Big 12 tournament championship. You know, let's 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 plan on having, you know, for the championship game, we can do that whole, you know, Twitter pregame party that I did with the Texas Tech people last year. Yeah, I hope so. I, I really do. Suck All right, JSJ. No, Iowa State in the championship. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, she she can just come and you know enjoy it as as you know people that are there. Her women will probably be in the championship there because they're they're doing pretty good. So, all right, but that is going to do it for us today. Scott, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts: whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, please let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network and the Sports Drink Network. Um, absolutely great stuff that they're doing over there. But the 1012 Network covering all the teams in the Big 12, including the new ones that are coming. We have another show that's coming. Uh, announcement actually should be here. It might have actually already happened by the time I'm recording this. So, um, But yeah, make sure you guys check out goji1012network.com. Check out all the links to all the great shows that we have. Uh, but that's going to do it. Make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, PricePicks.com. Use promo code CHOCK12 to get some great deals over there. But thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Mm-hmm.